Folks, let's face it. Most of you are not going to listen to this entire podcast. Uh, You might say that you are, but uh, I've checked the stats on SoundCloud, and like Shakira's hips, the numbers don't lie. So, if you are only going to listen to a portion of this podcast, I would recommend you listen to the latter portion of it, because it does take us a little bit to get loosened up. But there is some good, funny, and deep, and interesting stuff going on in the later half of the podcast. That being said, if you listen to the whole thing, you would have my undying affection. And I would owe you one favor, which you could cash in at any point during the rest of your life. Anyway, enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Real Classy, the podcast where we talk about classic movies because they're really cool. Um, Today, we are talking about the 1960 uh, black and white classic, uh, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. I'm just kidding. We're talking about The Apartment, starring Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine and Freddie Mercury. And my guest today, I'm just kidding, it's not Freddie Mercury either, it's uh, Fred McMurray. My guest today is uh, my friend and fellow filmmaker, Sahali Jensen. Hello, Sahali. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. It's actually a nice day here in usually rainy Seattle. Yes. Today, uh, me and Sahali are both in Seattle. No, I'm just kidding. We're talking over Skype. Uh, Sahali, you suggested this film, yeah. The Apartment. Yeah. Do you want to, oh, before, sorry, before we get into that, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell a little bit about yourself to the listener? Oh, um, sure. I'm Sahali Jensen. I went to film school with Chris. Um, passionate about filmmaking. I love films in general. Not really doing that right now. I worked as a second camera assistant on a couple feature indie features and as a production office manager for Shadowcatcher Entertainment for uh, about three years um, before realizing experiencing two abusive bosses was enough <laughs> and uh, yeah that's a whole another story um, but I well abusive in in terms of like work and <laughs> The amount I right. was expected to don't do worry. and have skill. Yeah. It's not like I was, yeah. They're not, they're not going to hear we're this, not gonna go Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. well, let me clarify that. Um, and so now I'm going back to school to be a hopeful physician assistant. Awesome. Slash, I mean, uh, Lynn Shelton didn't make her first film until she was 40. So there's still hope for me. Yeah. I could be a filmmaker in my retirement age, maybe. We'll see. Or who knows? Life is mysterious and strange. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's what I'm all about. <laughs> uh, I do uh, still stay creative by oil painting currently and doing like more fine art projects. So that's good at least. Doing awesome. That. Good to keep those creative juices flowing. Yes. And you still have a passion for film and classic films and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I always... Well, I... A little bit after, or a couple years, <laughs> that's not a little bit, after working um, my film jobs, I kind of stopped watching movies because it bummed me out. Oh. But I have started again, and <laughs> I, I still love movies. I just, I think I needed a movie break. 
just hey nothing related well, that's, for a while. that's very interesting yeah that's another very, story very there. cool <laughs> well you suggested this movie the apartment uh mm-hmm. do you want to tell us what your relationship was to this movie well, it was suggested to me by uh, my coworker at Shadowcatcher, who knew a lot more about films than me in terms of the amount of like film literature, like how much he had watched. And mm-hmm. um, he said it was like just an amazing, great classic. And I was like, a classic? I've never heard of this movie before. Um, and I didn't know it was black and white, and I didn't know it was an older film, older 1960. That's not like super old, but... Um, right, right. One of the more recent black <laughs> and white films. Yeah. Um, but I watched it and I was like, oh, I mean, it's a little more complex than most quote unquote classic films. I don't know. I think just because it's this, the plot line's a little more subtle, but I like really latched mm-hmm. onto it cause I could relate to a lot of, I could tell there was a lot of depth going on there and there's a lot of themes that I could relate to. And I think it's another thing that impressed me is it felt really ahead of its time because I doubt many movies would talk about that subject material in the 60s, early mm-hmm. 60s. So mm-hmm. that's why I really liked it. And uh, I thought of it when you told me I should pick a black and white classic film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, but you had seen it before. Yeah, I'd seen it once before and then I rewatched it. Um, and when I rewatched it, I didn't realize how sad, <laughs> like you said, or you had told me it was quite sad film. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah I kind of forgot. It's it's quite moments. it's quite heartbreaking for the majority of the movie. Yeah. At least at least from my perspective of you know whenever whenever I see I mean would you would you describe this as a manic pixie dream girl type movie? I I guess you could sort of like you know it's that it's the very end of like the Mad Men sort of vibe era. So that's not mm-hmm. you know it is in that sense cuz she's she definitely is a little out of the ordinary for that setting and environment so i never thought about that right before. she's more independent than most of the but it's but it's something where i feel like the guy kind of falls in love with this idea of this girl without mm-hmm. really knowing anything about her it's true and whenever i see that in a movie and i see a guy just going head over heels for a girl who he just really doesn't know i don't know for me that's always really hard to watch and so watching this movie watching jack lemon's character uh, just kind of at the first part, at the first part, be like, sort of oblivious to the situation that's going on here, and then when he realizes what's happening, anyway. I assume that they had some sort of working-ish relationship where they had observed each other and their habits and their character in other scenarios. So, to some extent, I feel like he didn't know her on a deep level and didn't know her troubles, but knew what type of person she was by how she treated other people. So, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. I guess that was just something that I assumed. It wasn't necessarily ever said, so that's maybe me, my interpretation of, of like, them having something. Like, it wasn't just out of complete nowhere. Right, is, right. Uh, well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> um, from a female's perspective, did, do you feel like she had any feelings for him prior to the very end of the movie? I think she, like, uh, why I can relate to her as I see her as that girl who wishes she liked the guy who was a really good stand-up, right. nice guy. Right, yeah. And I feel like she kind of saw him as that, but maybe also because she had this history of being with 
bad guys saw it as unaccessible Mm -hmm. not only because he probably wouldn't be interested in her because of her low self-esteem but also because she just felt she was hopelessly never going to be attracted to someone like that so like i think i think she probably respected him but from a distance Mm -hmm. because of fear Mm -hmm. i don't know Right, and she does say that line of "Why can't I ever fall in love with a nice guy like you?" Yeah, which is if you've ever been on the receiving end of a comment like that. I know it sounds Sucks. like it's really nice, but it's really like, oh, that's that's the worst thing you could ever say to someone. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, and so I, yeah, I feel like I have been on that. Like I think that they're both maybe that type of person. That's what it's so. Well, that's part of the tragicness, you know. She probably has heard... Well, I don't know. She's not necessarily, like, this stereotypical good girl. But I think she feels like she's... Like she said, like, some people take and some people get taken. And there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's... And one thing that I liked about her character was that she did genuinely, like... She was going through a lot of her own stuff and you you understood what she was going through whereas in a lot of films like this i don't know i feel like you might see a guy who's head over heels for a girl who's not interested and you just like don't really know what's going on with her with this you like she's more of a fleshed out character yeah um even though even though i was kind of like sad for him for the fact that she wasn't didn't seem that into him I was also very sympathetic for what she was going through. Yeah, yeah. And when she says that line, like, there's nothing you can get, you can do about it when you're the type of person who gets taken. That, I really identified with that, too, because it's like, she's not blaming her, like, she's not saying she's a bad person or, like, she she deserves this, but that that's just the way that the world works, which is kind of like... A way of forgiving herself. I don't know. Like, I really identified with that in terms of... It makes her more complex. Like, it's not as straightforward as her being a victim. Yeah. If that makes sense. She's aware. She's an aware person. So, yeah, that's another thing that's interesting is, like, the portrayal of women is pretty dynamic. Yeah, especially for 1960. I feel like it's... It was... um, it, It felt... It kind of felt more modern... Than mm-hmm. I would have expected a movie that takes place in, or that was shot in 1960 to be. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's watching TV and he's not that I thought that they didn't have TV in 1960, but that that opening scene where he comes home and he kind of goes through his nightly ritual, it was just interesting to see how similar that is to like a modern person's nightly ritual of coming home, throwing in a TV dinner, mm-hmm. and turning on the TV. I mean. I don't know. I I guess that's part of the reason why I do this podcast is that I tend to think of the past as something a lot more Mm -hmm. removed from the present than it really is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of like see the past through films and it's kind of like this magical fairyland that you're like, well, theoretically this existed, but not in real life. Just like this is the the fantasized movie world. (laughs) You know, like you don't really think about those old fashioned cars being the cars that people drove. There were no other like now we just look back on them. It's kind of like and, you know, there's so many period pieces that you like can almost transpose like 
that like the mindset of it being a period piece where they acquired all these vehicles but not really that that's just how the street looked in the 60s <laughs> yeah. right uh, you can't you can't really put yourself in the place of not knowing what the future holds in that time period yeah that's true too so there's always there's always a layer of irony when you're looking back and trying to replicate the past mm-hmm. um one thing that I thought... Let, let me get your take on this. Okay. When they're walking down the street together and he's inviting her to the show, he's saying... He's like, oh yeah, I know where you live. I know who you live with. I know uh, you oh, know yeah. your social security number. <laughs> I know when you got your tonsils out. Um, and she's kind of like, oh, don't tell the boys in the office. <laughs> Whereas... When I heard that, I was like, oh, she needs to run away from him. He's an insane person who's obsessed with her, it seems. I know. And I guess back then that was more of like a meet cute. That was like, a, oh, how sweet he is to have gone over all of my personal information. Yeah. Um, <laughs> At first thing I... What did you think about that? First thing I thought in retrospect of just having graduated medical assisting, a medical assisting program is... Holy crap, like, that would be such a violation of all the laws of medical, like, you know, documentation <laughs> releasing. Like, he's just, like, spewing her history on the street. Uh, the fact that he could know yeah. that is kind of hilarious. But, like, yeah, I was, like, thinking, I was watching, I was like, well, I mean, if you knew him and you knew what he was like and you knew maybe he just, like, had to look up certain documents for his job... It wouldn't be creepy, but out of context, like, I, I was like, how is this not creepy to her? <laughs> like, maybe it's just his, the type of person he was. There's people that can say something like that and be not creepy, and then people, similar, a similar thing. And people who can say it, and it's, like, super creepy. So, I was yeah. feeling like maybe for him it wasn't creepy, but <laughs> I was just thinking generally, that's really weird. <laughs> It's it's sort of like if you uh like um back at Southern where you and I went to college mm-hmm. there was a website that had all the faces and the names of everybody oh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. uh where you could go and look up a directory of all the different students similar to uh the Facebook that Mark Zuckerberg used uh <laughs> for the creation of his popular web franchise Facebook um but I remember like kind of browsing through there and seeing like who was in my classes or who like I don't know what the other film majors were and stuff like that and then I might meet someone and I would already know their name before they knew my name and I remember them being like oh that's incredibly disturbing that you already know my name um (laughs) but I guess when it's Jack Lemmon it's (laughs) it's not that threatening (laughs) because he really does kind of seem like a sweet guy yeah yeah yeah, like, I mean, it, I wondered as I was watching that, did he look her up just out of his curiosity about her, or did he have a reason he was looking her up for something else? Like, that context is not explained. I, <laughs> so. Yeah, I had the, I got the impression that he was just looking her up just because he liked her. Because um, it seems like he was like an accountant or something. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what yeah. business he would have going through the personnel file of yeah. the elevator girl. Or I wonder if it's like <laughs> a thing they would do for fun sometimes. Like, oh, or, you know, to like scope out dates. Let's go look people up. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, like I wonder that if it's common. That makes sense because, <laughs> yeah, 
because speaking of things they would do for fun, you know, there's <laughs> obviously this uh, <laughs> this really prominent little subculture in this business of men. Um, what's what's the word? Uh, cheating on their wives yeah, <laughs> with other women. And the movie kind of hinges, I guess, for me, I had to just accept that these men were uh, wealthy enough for women to want to sleep with them, mm-hmm. but not wealthy enough to afford hotel rooms, I guess. Yeah. or they want <laughs> because... to be more discreet. I don't know. Like, you know. I guess. To be seen at a hotel, they might run into someone they know, or they might... There's that, evidence, yeah, like a check or something. You know, they have to pay for the room. I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Or maybe well, I feel like you could just you could just pay in cash back then. It's not like your wife's going to look up your credit card information. No, no. <laughs> but uh, or like maybe it's location. Like it was near the bars where they wanted to pick up girls. I don't know. Uh, that makes more sense. Near the yeah. office, because you know back then, right? Like all the executive types, they lived out in Connecticut or something and took the train in. And so, right. if they dallied oh, yeah. in in yeah. the city, like they could just tell their wife they were at work late. Uh, you know, like oh, yeah. there was a huge deadline, and then they could just go back out to Connecticut and pretend like it never happened. That's that's a really good point, actually. And if they were going to a hotel over and over, there's a lot more chance of someone seeing them. And yeah, that's true too. Yeah. So you, so they're just taking advantage of poor, uh, poor CC Baxter. Yeah, buddy boy. Um, and at the beginning of it, when I saw him, you know, waiting for that first couple to clear out, I was thinking, oh, so he's a poor fella, and he's renting out his apartment, mm-hmm. you know, to supplement his income. But I don't think they were paying him or anything. I no. think it was more of a blackmail thing. Yeah, he probably got... He's a pushover, so he's like, oh, sure, because they're his boss. And then, yeah. you know, he didn't want to... He want, He seems like the type of person that would just want to be, like, under the radar as much as possible. So... Yeah. I wonder how that started. Not wanting to ruffle know? any feathers and... Yeah. Yeah. You wonder how it started yeah. for his character. I mean, I wonder like, who the first person was who's like, oh, by the way, can we use your apartment to do sketchy, <laughs> non-60s, <laughs> we shall not speak of these activities event, you know, like. Right. <laughs> and that, and like you said, they were like, as far as the content of the movie, they were actually quite bold about, I know. That's you know, discussing this behavior with each other. Yeah. Um. In one of the trivia notes that I was looking at, it said that the, the director, Billy Wilder, mm-hmm. um, it said, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it basically said that he just kind of let Jack Lemmon play the character and fill in the, fill in the <laughs> blanks however he wanted. Mm-hmm. And he said that Jack could do no, do no harm in his eyes, essentially, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. It really, as far as, you know, the performance, I like that because... I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone in this as far as my generation goes, but when I see Jack Lemmon in a movie, my first thought is grumpy old men. Mm-hmm. And so, have you, se- have you seen Mm-mm. that movie? But, I mean... You haven't seen grumpy no. old men? <laughs> so that, but that's like... What? That's like a modern... Is that in the ni- 90s That's in the movie? 90s, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, he passed away in 2001, okay. and it was him and... Um, <laughs> He acted in that and the sequel with Walter Matthau, and I think that there was a couple other movies him and Walter Matthau acted in together. So they were kind of like a little duo as old guys just before they died, sort of. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's a good one. I would check that one okay. out if I were you. I will. I mean, I've um, heard of it, but I just, you know, 
my film this the right the i have all these artsy films i've watched and then i don't fill yeah, in too mainstream yeah, too mainstream I for get, you right? i need to get more mainstream i need to get on it well that's what's funny because um shirley mclean mm. who's very recognizable to me as an older yeah. gal um i don't know that i've i don't i don't can't really name any of her movies off the top of my head but when i saw her in this i mean i was kind of blown away she's got that short hair Mm -hmm. you know and she's and she really stands out from the rest of the girls in the era and i was like man she's really beautiful and i went to go look at what other movies she's in and then you see like grandma shirley (laughs) mcclain and it was kind of like oh that's too bad time just continues to march on for everybody yeah (laughs) but that's funny that but, um, some movie stars are remembered for their period of time where they were the most beautiful, and some that kept right. working now will forever be remembered during their, like, as the grandma roles they had. And that's kind of, like, I wonder if they're they're like, well, if I want to keep working, I'm just going to have to be remembered in my unglamorous years. Or if, like, yeah. you know, they almost prefer that, that they could just have kept that era of their life than you know as what is remembered and i mean i think it depends on what generation is remembering them too Mm because obviously i think of jack lemon the most from when he was older because that's when i was introduced to him Mm -hmm. but you know this is if you look at his imdb this is one of the first movies that pops up huh um, i had no idea is the apartment so that's cool there's a start you look at like audrey hepburn though she, I believe, went on to do a lot of different stuff in her later years. I think that had nothing to do with film, but she was mostly remembered for being a pretty girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, let me see what else I have here. Okay. Ah. The Broken Mirror, um, I thought was a really excellent plot device. Like, you talked about it being a more complex and, and uh, subtle storyline mm-hmm. than a lot of movies back then. I thought when he opened up that broken mirror, I was like, oh, that's kind of genius, really. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any moments like that that you can think of? Um, yeah, there was like, uh, when I was rewatching it, there's a moment where they're all, like he's talking about how many employees are there and they just show that visual of one of the millions of people working at this place. <clears throat> and it, it seemed very modern. That seemed very modern, too, because that's like the urbanness and the, like packing people in and the like yeah. h- how would how would you denote yourself in that sort of environment for like right. you were like your promotion is complete luck and like, i feel like that's reflected in the stories telling like it's he's yeah. he's a talented guy but he's not more talented than anyone else but that's what's setting right. him apart because i mean it's an unfair system <laughs> he's he's essentially number crunching so it's mm-hmm. like you know what is he what can he really have over anybody else essentially um but that also i think kind of that that probably really shows the 60s as that age of mm-hmm. big business sort of swallowing up the industry of america i guess but yeah <laughs> uh speaking of that though uh, uh you said you have <laughs> hello listener sorry about that we just had a bit of a technical glitch and uh had to come back to the recording here so but we were just talking about the wolf of wall street and comparing Mm -hmm. it to this movie i was just bringing that up because 
the uh, sort of the vast business that they work in, and the uh, and the Christmas party scene with all the people making out. Yeah, kind of reminded me of huh. Wolf of Wall Street, but in a much more tame and PG way. Yeah, I love that Christmas scene. <laughs> I loved it just because I felt like it was really trying to explain what it's like to be like because. It's all those characters, but without inhibition, you know, because they're all getting drunk. Yeah. And that's very yeah. much what, like, a company kind of, like, a company Christmas party kind of slightly has sleaze to it, even today. Right. And it's, but it's just yeah. like it was more rampant then just because the power structure of companies and, like, the women's roles and the men's roles. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, because a, a woman's a woman's goals at that time might have been different <laughs> That's true too. As far as what she's yeah. trying to get out of That's true. the Christmas party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. And uh I just thought like the slice of life regardless of its role in the story was just like fascinating cuz it's like, "Oh my gosh, this is what a company Christmas party is like." It's so surreal. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, another interesting piece of trivia is that uh apparently they shot that on December 23rd oh my so gosh. that everybody would be in the holiday spirit and uh, it says that the director pretty much did most of it in one take as wow. far as the party stuff I guess he said he basically just yelled action and stepped back and let everybody just be party do what they do that's interesting yeah essentially because I feel like that would be rare as well during that time period like the whole ad-libbing thing is so big now people Dude, yeah. comedy is like a lot of it's just ad-libbed, but I bet back then it was not very common. So that's kind of right. cool. Huh. Speaking of back then, I didn't make notes of this or anything, but this movie actually dealt with some pretty like intense themes as well as mm. far as her like being suicidal. Yeah. And her having I mean, in from my analysis of her character like having some, you know, psychological issues that I feel like you wouldn't see addressed, and maybe they weren't even uh, trying to address anything specifically. Mm -hmm. She was just, you know, lovesick, and that's why she mm -hmm. tried to take a bunch of pills. But, um, yeah, it's. I thought that that was a really interesting subject matter for them to be tackling back then. Yeah, it seemed very postmodern. You know, there's a lot of movies nowadays that are about depression or divorce or all these, like, existential crisis type things but i yeah i don't really think it was as common then i don't i don't know i mean i haven't seen a ton of movies probably not very many fringe movies from that period of time but i feel like it would have been something they just would have especially when they're talking about how sad and depressed they both were and it was like a really genuine yeah. conversation about that where he is like totally just opened up to her about how he he plan to shoot himself which is like right seems really dark but in that conversation in the light-hearted way that they were like it was like now we are happy because we have each other's company it was a really interesting setting and a, like gave it this ability to talk about it without it being as heavy i don't know i really that was really interesting too right and then when he when it gets darker for him towards the end when she goes back with uh yeah with whatever his name is, Shell, yeah, Sheldrick. Sheldrick. <laughs> then you see him take the gun out of his drawer, mm -hmm. um, which for me, at like while he was telling that story, I didn't fully believe that that was real. I kind of thought that he was just saying that to relate to her more. And then he mm -hmm. still has the gun in his drawer. I thought that was interesting. A really interesting 
and that was such a quick little snippet. He just takes it out and kind of puts it in a box just so you see that. And mm-hmm. um, but then of course, <laughs> I feel like that's that's another reason why this movie is kind of heartbreaking for me is that at the end of it, you know, in in my eyes, these people's uh, psychological problems aren't really solved just because they found each mm-hmm. other now. You know what I mean? They still have some things mm-hmm. that they really should deal with professionally. Yeah, I'm torn <laughs> with that because like there are a lot of movies about this topic where two dysfunctional people meet and they don't really solve their dysfunction. They just somehow understand each other's dysfunction and then the the ending right. is that it works out because of that. And like I always wonder like for myself personally in real life I th- I've heard stories where two people who were kind of dysfunctional, like they balanced each other out and now they're much healthier because they met each other. But I just don't know if that extreme of a situation is possible. And I don't know if, you know, I guess movies are trying to dramatize things, but it's always this like depiction of like dysfunction, this magical moment where they meet the right person and it's all okay. And to some extent, like, yeah, that I think that people do help each other. People need people. But, like, to what extent? What kind of message is that right. sending people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure that <clears throat> it's it's a message that I think would probably be slightly irresponsible to try to send that now. But mm-hmm. at the same time, at the end of the movie, they don't, they don't like, I mean, I guess they get together. Mm-hmm. But it's always kind of surprising for me when... Uh, I'm sorry, my mom keeps texting me. It's like it's like she just she realizes she just has to make a decision to be attracted to someone better. I feel like like it's like she that yeah. light bulb goes off in her head or something. Um and he, the light right. bulb that goes off in his head is that he doesn't need to be taken to have a job. Like he doesn't cuz he says somewhere in there he's like, "Well, and now I have you've given me enough of a, be, a good enough job that I can afford to marry." And it's kind of like, he's mm-hmm. like, I don't believe that myth anymore. Like, I think that I'm, I'd rather have a good life than feel like I have to hit these, like, check these boxes so that I can get married or so I can have that, which is like his revelation. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. So there is like a little bit they do on their own, like work, brain work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but is it enough? <laughs> and then that's why... They they both still seem like, you know, unique, like, complete characters to me. Like, it doesn't seem like she's just complimenting him or he's just complimenting her. That's true, yeah. They both kind of come to their to their own realizations and and complete themselves. I was just thinking of uh, exa- another example of, like, a modern movie like that is Punch Drunk Love. Yes. And how they're super both kind of have their dysfunction. And then the, the at the end of the movie somehow they figure it out to like have this dream like happily ever after or at yeah. least the promise I haven't seen of that it. movie in years yeah i haven't seen it for a yeah. while too but i i've seen it several times because i really it's my favorite of it's paul thomas anderson right mm-hmm. it's my favorite of his just because it's less about dark creepy people <laughs> though yeah. still about that um yeah Really great movie, though. Yeah. So that's kind of like, I guess I could draw some parallels from that, where, like, I don't really know if they resolved their issues, but they came to their own revelations about them. Yeah. 
And if you look at it in those terms, and if you're looking at it in terms of story in general, as far as this story is concerned, you know, that was all that they needed to do was come to those revelations. Their lives will still Mm -hmm. go on after this and they'll still have more challenges to face. Yeah. Um, which is which is also so in that respect it it's kind of a very responsible ending to a movie like this especially for the time period but uh like i was saying before it's just always very interesting to me when a leading man and a leading woman don't end up kissing in a movie that's they didn't, true they didn't kiss at all that's true yeah. i didn't even think about that because the romance was more based off their you know like their interactions uh, personality like their conversation was the tension yeah yeah. Which is interesting because that's kind of great because it's emphasizing that aspect of the relationship versus the physical, which is yeah. emphasized a lot in romantic movies. <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah. But in this, it it seemed like it was very important to, to set apart that Baxter wasn't just in, interested in her for her body. Yeah. Because that seems to be what everybody, all the other male characters yeah. in the movie just care about women for their bodies, yeah. essentially. And specifically and her, because she's like the one they believe hasn't put out. She's the holy grail, yeah. yeah she's the... The the one unfluzing. Grand prize. Yeah. Um, and then also, you didn't really get the sense that she was particularly physically attracted to him. But she... No, not at the beginning. At least at the end of it. Right. At the end of it, she clearly saw something in him. I, uh, <laughs> I wrote down... When he turns around at New Year's, when uh, Sheldrake turns around and she's gone, mm-hmm. I just thought that was funny. It was like, I wonder if that's where the Dark Knight got it. You know, <laughs> I just wanted him to say, she likes to do that. Um, <laughs> it was very dramatic. Very dramatic. Poor Sheldrake. Also, I liked the, uh, I just, the last movie that uh, we talked about was Casablanca. Oh, um, uh-huh. And so I, I liked the uh, guy playing the piano in the restaurant and how oh. she, like, knew him. And when he walked in, he knew to start playing a particular oh, song. Yeah. I thought that was maybe a call back to that. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, like a little, but, a little nod to Casablanca. Yeah. It's probably just a nod to film in general. Yeah. But... <laughs> And it did show this that they was... had known each other a long time because it was enough history that they could have a song. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. freaking, the pianist knows you. <laughs> and then you also find out that uh, all the other girls before her had, a song. had the same story, <gasps> that they went to the same Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Which is interesting to me. If you're going to have an affair with a girl, I guess a Chinese restaurant makes sense. That's <laughs> sort of an unassuming place. Well, but. maybe he knew none of his fancy friends would be there because it's like a hole in the wall or something. And he's like, this is right. my safe haven. I will take all the girls here. <laughs> oh, man. Just the one of the real morals of this movie for me is don't uh, don't cheat on your wife. Yeah. And also don't don't sleep with married men. Which isn't as much of a temptation for me. Um, (laughs) Well, and I'd have to say, like, uh, of the two, I feel like, well, that's hard. Because if you willingly know that you're helping someone cheat on their wife, that's still pretty bad. But I feel like the person who made the promise to be faithful, like, gosh, come on. Don't make a promise. You know, you don't, there's no... I guess back then maybe it was a social expectation, but there's no reason. You don't have to. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah. why when he said... Especially for... <clears throat> oh, go ahead. 
Oh, it's, I was going to say, especially for women, you know, in the workplace where the men have this power over them. But that doesn't seem to be, um, to affect Kubelik, you know, Fran. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem to be a factor for her because none of the other guys can get with her. Yeah. So she clearly just actually had some kind of yeah. serious emotions for she her. She actually liked that guy. Yeah. 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 That's true. Or maybe he just got to her first and ruined her for all the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Sounded like she felt like there was a pattern to the type of guy, though, too, just by her. Well, I mean, they all seemed like bad guys. So when she's saying I'm attracted to bad guys, I suppose she could be attracted to any of them. But I felt like she was noting a pattern, but like felt powerless to the pattern. Yeah. Yeah, and she definitely beats herself up and yeah. and really kind of blames everything on herself for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of girls can relate to that. Like, maybe not, you know, not, it varies people's experiences, but I'm sure there's a period of every girl's life where they're like, why do I just like jerks like this? Like, what is my problem? Yeah. Um, but maybe guys feel that way, too. I just think it's more stereotypical for girls to to be on that i yeah i would agree at least uh from my perspective as someone who's not had a whole lot you know i haven't really had my pick of the litter mm-hmm. <laughs> i've noticed that the few girls that i have had romantic encounters with i did kind of like the girls who were more abrasive yeah more because there's sort of a reward system involved in, like, huh. I'm the one person she likes. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, totally. She doesn't like anybody else, and she, but she likes me. So, I don't know. I don't know if that's the same for women. Um, yeah. I also felt like, at least <clears throat> in this case, there was sort of a power dynamic there. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. That she was interested in him for her, for his uh, money and power and such. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and girls probably like selfish dudes because a selfish dude is also a go-getter and is going to make things happen for himself. So, yeah, you know, you're yeah. kind of attracted to that just because there's that uh, ambition there. But the ambition can come with yeah. a, a good guy. It just, it's probably more common in the bad guys. But, and as, as, you know, it seems to happen with uh, Baxter towards the end of the movie, he seems to be more of a confident and ambitious person yeah you know he's quitting his job and he's going he's not worried about where he's going to end up that's yeah. interesting that is pretty confident and i have to say that's why i like him too because he is a good guy but the difference between a good guy and a nice guy is a nice guy is constantly whining about how all the girls only like mm. bad guys and a good guy mm. is just good because he wants to be and doesn't care yeah. if someone accepts him for it or not it's just like this is who Ooh. i am and I'm not going to whine about it because I know I want to be this person, you know. I actually really like that. I like that perspective of separating a good guy from a nice guy because yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, anybody can be a nice guy. Yeah. But a good guy is actually something at his core. I like that. That's yeah. uh, wait, good, good on you, sister. I've been working on that um, one. <laughs> but also, like, a nice guy is doing nice things to get something. So he's not really yeah. nice because he wants, he's manipulative in his niceness, usually, I've found. So right. it's like, well, if you really were a nice guy, you just see that life is not always, you can't always get what you expect, you know? Like, right. life is a little yeah. more complicated than it paying out all the time when you do nice things. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's, I think that's why you, you are able to like 
that character is because he is he's not whining about his situation. Um, especially yeah. he got stood up in and the movie, you know, like if he were just, a, you know, if he were the type of type of whiner, he would have like been on her and been like pissed at her and like. Yeah, hmm. I know. Yeah, that was. Oh, <laughs> man. Terrible. And that's like that's the beginning of, you know, their sort of any any inkling of a romantic relationship between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And it starts out with her just straight <laughs> up, straight up standing him up. Which uh, which sucks because you know there was no cell phones. Back yeah, then. right. Yeah. She couldn't text him and say, "Hey, I'm not gonna make it." But yet he still gives her the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. and you know considers her to be in the right in that situation. It really does show his character. Although at the same time, uh, you know, you kind of wonder he, he's not a perfect guy because no. obviously he's allowing this behavior to take place in his house and he's. Mm-hmm. He's essentially letting his fear of losing his job um, keep him from doing the right thing and, you know, stopping these guys from fooling around on their wives. Um, but then that's obviously another one of the lessons he learns is that, you know, who needs this job, essentially? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's his struggle. Like she said, there's people who take and people who get taken. And, like, I do... That's another theory I've been working on is that... Uh, <laughs> um a lot of people like playing the victim when the person that's quote unquote victimizing them never asked for what they're giving, you know, they're giving and giving and giving and they're like, you're taking advantage of me. And it's like, but they never asked you to do any of that stuff. Like that's absolutely true. Yeah. Right. And it's like, yeah, no, it's like self victimization while blaming like and it's easy to blame that person because they probably are not that great of a person to be taking advantage of it right so but they're not actively they're not actively doing anything to you they're just sort of passively letting being like all right whatever you want to do and uh and like from the perspective of the giver you've you've built up this narrative of oh if i do mm-hmm. enough of this then that will there will be a reward there's supposed to be a compensation for all this niceness that i'm yeah, giving you yeah. <laughs> and that in and of itself is a misconception that's yeah 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 and i i do think like um if you play the victim the only one losing out is you cuz you could have better things like why would yeah. you actively choose to be a victim but like that's the that him and her they that's what their natural inclination because they're it's better to be on that side because it feels like you're not the bad guy when you're playing the victim like you can always kind of right. blame something other than you for your issues exactly um, and maybe that's when she's talking about the pattern she's suddenly or she's finally realizing that she's doing this to herself and maybe he suddenly realizes he's doing it to himself. By you know yeah. holding out for this thing, like maybe he'll be an executive someday or whatever it is. Yeah, because man, that is that's really kind of dead on. I mean, because it is at least for me, I have that I have a tendency to do that a lot, where I play the victim and I like to just kind of sulk and be like, <laughs> nothing too. goes well for me. <laughs> where that's not you know, that doesn't help anything, and and it really does. And even the way that she puts it of the the takers and the and the tooken, um, p- 
puts it into a perspective of kind of seeing everybody as either a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. Which in this movie supports that a little bit more. You definitely think of Sheldrake mm-hmm. as being more of a sleazeball. And because we don't see any of the complex issues that he has in his life. Yeah. But when you do kind of separate yourself from that... That's why I guess it's kind of interesting that she never throws a drink in his face or slaps <laughs> him or anything. Yeah. She doesn't do anything necessarily no. to get revenge on him because she just realizes that she doesn't have to be in this situation anymore. Yeah. Well, and like all the commentary she gives him when he like he disappoints her time after time. She's like she, it's all directed at herself and he's like, "Come on, don't say stuff like that." Yeah. But it's like she's like she knows that she can't really get mad at him because she keeps putting herself in this position. Like, why haven't I learned? Right. Why haven't I learned? Like, I keep thinking that this thing, like, I ha- I think it's so much hope that, like, I did that too. Like, you know, like, if a guy that I, like, would reach out, I would assume it was for good intentions, you know? Why would they reach out to mm-hmm. me? And it's kind of like that. She's, like, hopeful that, like, when he reaches out, like, this time he might mean it. Like, because she really just wants it so bad. So it's kind of like her comments are almost like, I opened the door again. I opened the door again. What am I doing? But then he Man. he takes his like, oh, you're trying to make me feel guilty. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure she just like disappointed in herself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. But there's a lot. There's a lot to this little movie. Yeah. There's there's deep. a. It really is. Pr- <laughs> well, what'd you say? <laughs> it's deep. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was realizing as I watched yeah, it again, no. like layers. It is. It is. A, it's a really good one. Um, so we're probably coming towards the end of the uh, mm-hmm. of the spiel here. Uh, <laughs> is there anything else in particular that you wanted to bring up about this movie before we move on? Um, let me think. I'm wondering. I'm trying to think if you covered it all. All the things that I was thinking. I will say one thing. Um, most of the movies that I've been talking about uh, have been very, like, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is very visual. Mm-hmm. With this one, I feel like it's very story-oriented. Yeah. Like, the writing of this movie is really what makes the movie. The visuals, you know, are okay. Especially in The Office, when there there's that big, vast... Uh, yeah. You know, expanse of people working, which one of the other trivia facts is that to get that look of it receding back into the people, I don't know if you looked this up, but it was normal sized actors at the front and then uh, little people actors in the middle. Really? And then at the back, like little little paper puppets at like miniature desks to make it like (laughs) to give it a long scope. I thought that that was really cool. They did the same thing with Casablanca, actually, with the... uh, um, the plane is like not a real plane when they're standing there on the tarmac, and so <laughs> it's it's cool to see practical effects like oh, that in old movies. But. Yeah. Who directed Casablanca? Uh, Michael Michael Curtis. Michael Curtis okay. uh, directed Casablanca. Oh, oh okay, okay, yeah. okay. I just you know, sorry if there's a connection. I don't know any connection based off that, <laughs> but no, and and Casablanca came out you know almost thirty years <clears throat> or no twenty years. Before this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, another little bit of trivia. Sorry to just be bringing up all the trivia. Mm. But this was the last... Um, I think it said it won Best Picture? Yeah, I think it did. But, yeah, that's what also... I was like, wow, why have I not heard of this yet? It, it won 
Yeah, this was the last black and white film to win Best Picture uh, before The Artist. Cool. In 2011. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was black and white, even though it didn't have to be. (laughs) Right. We will not be talking about that on this show at any time because it does not count. (laughs) Yes, it's not real. (laughs) Um,. Well, it's real. But, oh, uh. the other thing I really noticed, like, it's so stark visually, but obviously well lit and well, like, all mm-hmm, blocked mm-hmm. and everything. The camera works great. The scene where he, you were introduced to the idea that people come over and use his house, his apartment as a place to, um, you know, do the, hang out with their chicks. Um, yeah, to hang out with their chicks. <laughs> he's on the payphone talking to him, and the lighting in that bar is like, and that and the New Year's party, and mm-hmm. that and the the when he goes to the bar to like drown his sorrows after he gets rejected he... by her, or he finds out she's going to his apartment. The lighting is right. just so it... like I love it. It's smoky. It's like atmospheric. These the girls at the bar seem like these mystical creatures. Like they've mm. got all the mm-hmm. finery. You can almost like smell their gross perfume. Like it's probably like yeah. the worst perfume. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, that I loved, and then I also loved <laughs> that back then, like, when he was sitting out on the stoop, waiting to go back in his apartment and smoking, the lady's like, what happened? Did you get locked out of your apartment? And I was thinking, well, back, like, today it would have been normal, because it would have been smoking, and he would have had to have been, like, 25 right, yeah. feet away from any entrance. But, like, back then, I'm sure yeah. they could just smoke in their apartment. And, like, that's kind of, like, a oh, weird yeah. cultural thing, right? Like... That's that is interesting. I I she also even was thinking he would just say I'm having a cigarette. Yeah, mm-hmm. smoking outside like wasn't necessary. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Like because otherwise she wouldn't have had to ask. He could have just pretended he was just smoking, and that's that would have been normal. Right. <laughs> that'd be that'd be essentially like drink like drinking a glass of milk outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Like why are you like, doing why this? Why would you come out here to do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, in that case, it was actually like, I'm concerned for you. Did you get locked out? <laughs> yeah. Mm. That's interesting. I didn't think of that either. I kind of thought his neighbors were all just really nosy. Yeah. Which I think they also kind of <laughs> were. They also were. Although, like, but. they made it sound as if it was pretty obvious that, you know, they thought he was a player just by how much noise. Oh, yeah. Like, the music and whatever. Yeah. Which was, like, also interesting because, like, kind of showed their reactions weren't, like, horrified. You know, it was, like, it made right. me think it it's just a thing they didn't talk about, but maybe actually did happen as much as it does today. Oh, Which yeah. Which is kind of yeah. an interesting thought because, you know, you just don't think about it being, like, everything was so formal and, like, under wraps and everyone dressed up fancy and just don't think of yeah. people being sketchy or weird you know have you have you watched mad men i haven't watched mad men a little bit but have you watched the first season Mm -hmm. it reminded me of that yeah i got a lot of that like i felt like this might be kind of what mad men was going for was this kind of world yeah um one i i ah, i'm remembering a couple things the doctor and his wife Mm -hmm. uh you know the neighbor's even though they were like kind of side characters, I liked the depth that they had to them. Yeah. They really kind of became the doctor was more like his basically his only real friend at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I always like seeing that when side characters have kind of more fleshed out, you know, actual characters. They're not just there to perform functions. Yeah. Like uh, the doctor 
really liked hitting women, apparently, because he was just slapping the heck out of her oh, when she was passed yeah, out. And I guess that was up. necessary. But it was kind of uncomfortable, not going to lie, to just see a man Smacking, just slapping yeah. a woman over and over. Yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. just grabbing her head and being like, wake up, wake up, you got yeah, well, and as a doctor, um, who knows? Like, they may have been a oh, lot yeah. you, rougher. You might actually, you know, you're, in terms you're, of their care. You're a, you're a medical, you're a medical professional now, right? Is that is that something you're familiar with? Having to slap uh, someone awake? No, no. I feel like they have more <laughs> nar- like drugs you can just give them to make sure they don't right. die. <laughs> but also, you know, they are doing. Maybe yeah. you would have to slap someone if you were doing it unofficially outside of an ER. I don't know, but uh. <laughs> He, I, I do think like there was a more brusque way like people were treated maybe longer ago. Yeah. Because I, I don't think they were they really like now we're much more like we want to make you feel comfortable and what do you need for your privacy and I feel like then it was probably more like well you wanted medical help so here I am and you just have to accept yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go back to that. Your yeah. doctor is no different than your mechanic you just yeah yeah yeah. i'm just fixing it (laughs) i don't care oh you haven't been taking care of this part have you yeah um (laughs) yeah that and like his wife was actually like interesting too because of her whole story about napkins like having proper stuff and like her being horrified that i feel like in the end the doctor got won over like he saw how much he cared about that about Miss Kubelik, even though, like, he thought he was right, a player. Yeah. He's like, there's no way he's a player because he's, like, being way too... Like, he cares way too much. Whereas I don't know if the wife ever came to that realization. But, like, that gave him a more right. of a, like, a arch, like a character arc through it, which is kind cool. you know, if, if it were me and I were a big-time player, um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be fessing up to it as much as he yeah. does you know like when the he's when like, the brother-in-law the comes pot. and she he's like why did you yeah <laughs> that was but he, awesome he's term. like why did you uh why did you take those sleeping pills and he's just because of me <laughs> you know he just immediately <laughs> that's true he doesn't like want to get anybody else involved yeah, yeah 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 he's taking the yeah the hero He's trying to be the hero versus trying to cut. Well, I don't know. I just found her like this. She makes her own decisions. Yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't. I don't know why she's so out of control and emotional. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if it were me, I would have been like, uh, you got to help me. My bosses use my apartment to have sex with girls. I, I have no control over this. Yeah. I'm a complete victim. Like I would definitely be playing the victim there. But he was more yeah. heroic in his his actions well and that's a um, 60s then, thing too because the like, implications of him saying something might make her lose her innocence or her like her uh what's right, it yeah respectability <laughs> yeah yeah because she she might be seen as you know if they know she's going with the big married ceo oh yeah married that that yeah, might be the whole thing that might be the problem you didn't want him to know it's a married woman oh yeah no that makes more sense um and then also the brother-in-law, you know, he's got kind of a nobility to him just in the way that he's really cares about his sister-in-law mm-hmm. and punches out a dude <laughs> in his apartment. And yeah. <laughs> it's just sure. a lot of really a lot of really good performances in my opinion. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one one more little moment that I just want to mention 
when the landlady goes downstairs and she's like, come on, dog. And the dog is just sitting there at Jack Lemon's feet. Did you notice that? Which part? And Jack Lemon has to like, it's when the, the landlady comes up to be like, what was going on here last night? You guys were marching back and forth. Uh, and then as she's leaving, she calls the dog and the dog just sits there. <laughs> like, what? What's I wonder if that was like actually an accident and they just, he's like, I love it. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. If it's, if it's not and they train the dog to do that, then that is a very impressive dog. dog. <laughs> yeah. um, Definitely. But, uh, okay. So, um, I guess, uh, you know, overall consensus is that it's a good movie right mm, yeah i mean i like it mm. yeah i, don't know I really you like don't. it i would recommend it yeah i would i would definitely recommend it to people in, as far as story and stuff and then uh this part which i guess i should have prepped you on before oh. but this is where i like to recommend other movies based on this movie oh. and they don't have to be old movies but is there any other movies that just talking about this movie might make you think oh this you might like this yeah, well, obviously, I immediately thought of Punch Drunk Love because of the dysfunction mm-hmm, that occurs mm-hmm. similarly. Yeah. Like, similar kind of, well, character story arc, not necessarily the story itself. But um, that's an interesting question, though, too, because it's like there's characters that are similar and there's storylines or, like, uh, just the vibe of, like, the type of films someone who would watch this would watch because there's so many layers like the artsy side of that or the more mainstream side of that so right right um i really love like misunderstanding and slow falling in love stories well i mean everybody's seen you've got mail well i mean a lot of people have seen you got mail but um right dave Chappelle's breakout uh 90s film. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that one, that one, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but what originally was based on was the um, shop around the You've corner. You've mail. <laughs> well, I guess you can <laughs> do that. You've got one. mail. A lot of people don't know it was based on the film You've Got Mail oh! uh, in 1945, oh. which was about, you know, actual mail, letters and such. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go back to but, your uh, but actual that's point based, you were Well, making. then that must be based on Shop Around the Corner, which was... Uh, Gar- no, I was just oh. I was just kidding. Okay. There's no. I was like, no I am I just like now. stupid? Um, I think it's no. Jimmy Stewart. I can't remember who's the girl, mm-hmm. but it's basically that same premise where it's like they hate each other. <laughs> this is more they oh, go from so hating s- each other to loving each other, which is kind of is more it, extreme. Wait, this is. <laughs> This is actually what You've Got Mail was based on? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking about the one with AOL, they... You've Got Mail. you got mail. Tom Hanks and... Well, I was I was making the joke that that was based on a movie where it was physical mail oh. mm. and not email. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, was that, the, was that the case with this? Did they somehow stumble oh. upon a, a oh. chat room of real life? Yeah, so um, it's that film is a ripoff or based off of... Um, Shop. <laughs> like, I think it's like if you steal a film's plotline, you don't credit the freaking film. Well, maybe they did. I don't know. But nobody remembers yeah. the original. Then it's like so unfair because it's like, oh, this is such a great movie. Yeah, except for you didn't come up with it. Someone like mm. 20 years, 30 years, whatever. Well, it's been more now. Years came up with that's, that. That's probably 
probably the case for most movies. <laughs> um, Nowadays, yeah. Sequels and reboots. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I know, right? Who needs them? That's why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> who needs original films? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, it, yeah, Shop Around the Corner was a movie, same premise, but it was male. They were pen pals. They didn't know who each other was, but mm. they had met, like, under this, like... Maybe, I can't remember exactly. I thought it was like an official like pen pal thing where you write, you know, like kind of like a, if you're, it's almost like so many levels because it might be kind of like an online dating thing. And like, yeah. they fell in, in love with each other's minds. And then she gets this job at a shop where he is like a manager. And mm-hmm. he, mm-hmm. she's like headstrong and like, you know, like a very strong female character for the day. This is an older movie, I think. And he like just doesn't like it because she's, like more almost more ambitious than him and the she's getting noticed by the shop owner and blah 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 and and so they're like oh is it odds and fighting and like they basically hate each other and then he decides to meet his pen pal who he's like writing all these soliloquies to and like i love you da 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 and um they decide to meet up and when he sees it's her he like can't go in and meet her whoa 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 wait wait spoiler alert Spoiler alert. Ah! Okay. But, but if on. you've seen You've Got no, Mail, then you'll I'm know that's what happens. But yeah. I won't tell you how it ends. I've... That's the mystical part. Oh, does she does she kill him? <laughs> yes. Does she say, you you must be here because you killed my pen pal, and then she pushes <laughs> yeah. him off the bridge or whatever? Well, I think, wait, no. Um, wait, no. He does go in, but not happiness ensues. Like, he doesn't tell her. Am I? Is this just one big spoiler right oh, now? Oh, okay. He doesn't. Well, yeah. Wait. He well, goes maybe, in and messes with her. Hold off on he the details messes, there. He messes with her instead. He messes with yeah. her. Yeah. Okay. Knowing. And wait, would you recommend? Would you recommend the Tom Hanks Meg Ryan you've got mail? I liked that one as well? too. I thought it was pretty solid. It like totally like jabs at Starbucks hard. Wait. Oh yeah. Or yeah, it's Starbucks. Well, or Bart. It's like basically talking about big corporation and oh yeah they sell starbucks at his at his uh bookshop bookstore and she's like oh of course they're gonna want to go there because they're giving them legal drugs (laughs) and it's like before starbucks was big big so it's kind of funny because i don't think i've seen you've got mail since i was like a very small child so i might have to yeah i might have to watch shop around the corner first and then watch you've got mail yeah you should see the parallels that's you should do that you should have a podcast where you watch the sequel or you know the the reboot (laughs) the sequel the hidden the secret (laughs) reboot reboot. and the original (laughs) and see like so it, instead of like the book was better, it's like the original movie was so much better. <laughs> yeah. Don't judge Wait, a movie there, by is its there a reboot. Podcast, <laughs> is there a podcast called The Book Was Better? I don't know, but that sounds like a cool idea too. I mean, it's like that would be a good title. Don't for a judge the movie by its reboot because the reboot is just I don't <laughs> gonna be retarded. I think I think remake is the word you're probably looking for. Oh, I don't okay. know if reboot. Well, wait. So, so there's sequels, prequels, there's sequels reboots, and remakes. <laughs> what are the? Yeah, let's break down the differences, <laughs> real quick. A reboot. Uh, a reboot is typically when you're you've got a franchise. Okay, of movies, okay, okay, okay. Like you know, Star Trek or X Men or something. And someone F- and you're gonna someone screwed it up, and you're like, we got to make this better. Ex- exactly. By making yeah. a new you're whole bringing, new series. 
you're bringing in new life, but you're not remaking the same movie, essentially. Okay. Whereas a remake, you're you know paying homage to. Well, I don't know if you're paying homage. Not I think you're just cashing a paycheck that somebody mm-hmm. else paid for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. I like remakes as well. well <laughs> I'm sorry. And a lot of romantic hope, comedies that that... are like total Shakespeare ripoffs. Come on. Oh yeah. You know oh, they're yeah. like, well, we can make this like a uh, Clueless and Ten Things I Hate About You, and right. What is there's more? I think that they those actually those do give credit to the plays that they're good. based on. I believe, good, good, right? Good. Yeah, that's good. But I mean, you know, uh, now he's in the common domain or public domain or whatever, so it's a soft target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, soft target. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. I mean, they're like solid storyline. We know we can't go wrong. Let's just like make it more fun and like give it like more like things from the 90s because now they probably need to remake it again because all that stuff is old. (laughs) The fashion is just not on point. So you're obviously referring to... Uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet starring uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh, but I love that movie. That movie is its own fantasy world, so I feel like it can't really age like in terms of showing its when it was made cuz you know, just Have you have you seen that uh the Joss Whedon Shakespeare movie? I forget what it's called. I heard about um, it. That's like uh, watching it, you know. It. I heard about it. What's that? <laughs> That's pretty much yeah. like watching it. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, you can, you can, <laughs> but I, I saw that. I liked it. I, yeah. I thought that was a cool movie. Yeah, okay. Um, well, as far as for me, my recommendations having to do with the apartment, I would just have to recommend Grumpy Old Men. Oh, because if you like you. Jack Lemon, you should check out, you know, more of him. the real, the, <laughs> the Jack Lemon I know, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then Punch Drunk Love, that's a really good one. I That, I feel like, really does relate to this movie a lot. Um, I need to watch that one again. Yeah. Um, any any others that you can think of? There's, like, so many dysfunctional love movies that I've seen, and I'm just, like, blanking on yeah. the names of uh, them. 500, 500 Days of Summer, have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty, that was dysfunctional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like And in that one, mm-hmm. uh spoiler alert, they don't end up together at the end. Oh, really? <laughs> so that's like supposed to be that that's like that movie's appeal, I think, right? I don't know. Well, I only I saw mean, it once an ex-girlfriend made me watch it. <laughs> it was trying to be counter like it was trying to be more realistic because most love stories right. don't end in a happy way. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, all of them either end in divorce or death, if you really think about it. Well, that's <laughs> true, too. I mean, yeah, if you really think about it. Then you just need to watch some Nicholas Sparks movies, you know, like Cancer. Yeah. Just like Nicholas Sparks, Two people... Cancer. I'll just leave that there. <laughs> Wait, is there a Nicholas Sparks movie called Cancer? No, it's just like they all get cancer and die, and it's like tragic and oh, beautiful, yeah. and they're crying, and it's tragic. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. It's Alzheimer's, Cancer. One, I mean, a train kills notebook, one of them. <laughs> I, I think no, the notebook's the only one I've seen. But in that one, they die at the same time, which oh, I thought was sweet. beautiful. Well, the thing is, like, it's like she dies over and over again because he, she can't remember him. And then he has to make her remember him. And then through that process, she lives again. 
Yeah. So it's Do you think he killed her? <laughs> He's like, you think let me just the secret ending of the give a yeah. mercy killing and I'll take a pill too and we'll just go together. Yeah. He's like, oh, good. You remember. You remember. Good. Let's both <laughs> Let's lay down. Let's end on this note. <laughs> yeah. But he would have to time yeah. like the like administration of the, the drug very carefully because he couldn't do it too soon or too late or else he'd kill her before right. she remembered or she might forget again. He could have again. injected something. That's he true. He could have given her a sleeping pill and then injected <laughs> injected something. Anyway, we don't need to talk about how well, we would have like, murdered. Uh, yeah, this the woman is kind of no. cool though, because like it, we were trying to be funny and we're finally being funny, and now it's over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting thought about the notebook though. Mm-hmm. Not to drag on. That was the first. Um, my first date was oh. taking a girl to the notebook. Oh, good choice. Good um, choice. I was I had no idea what it was about. I was 14 years old and what it was was I was working at camp mm. and there was a group of people going to see this movie and I wanted to go too but I didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. So I went up to this girl and I was like, "Hey, so and so, you've always had a crush on me, right? How'd you like to take me to the movies?" <laughs> and then Good one. She she did and she paid and you know, she cried a bunch and it was very awkward and uncomfortable <laughs> for me because I was 14. And then I later found out that she was like 19. Oh. Um, and she thought I was way older than I was. Um, so yeah. Huh. Yeah. Good story. Well, I'm so glad notebook. that it didn't, maybe it was good. It was awkward <laughs> and she cried because then you like kept it kosher, you know, 19, 14. Right. Well, I wouldn't have. Robbing <laughs> the cradle. I would have, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I would have been a gentleman either way. Oh yeah. So, but I mean, you know, yeah. 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 I'm no Shell Drake. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> oh, listen to that, ladies. You better get on that. Yes. Yes, ladies, get on that. This is an advertisement. Um, <laughs> You're turning this podcast it, into I mean, your personal personal mm, mm, e-harmony. Yeah. I mean, let's not be coy. That's the only reason I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing this podcast. This. Am I right? Uh, Am I right, makes ladies? Sense. Makes sense. And fellas? Bef- can I tell you... That yeah. I saw a f- movie that was worse than Nicholas Sparks movies. So you don't like Nicholas oh, Sparks? Movies. I don't know. I'm up in the air because like they are good pieces of drama. Air. George Clooney. Oh god, no, that is worse. No, just kidding. I actually <laughs> like that movie. Um, <laughs> no, uh, he, I I'm up in the air about that because he's that's good drama. Like it's entertaining, but is that really all there is in the world? Entertainment. Can't we go deeper? Let's go deeper. Um, no, I saw... Have you seen Re- Re- Remember Me? That sounds really familiar. Because I feel like... I don't know if I've seen it. I feel like if I spoil it, it won't matter because I don't think I would recommend watching it. Let me let me IMDB it real quick. <clears throat> oh, okay. You'll Man. love who's in it. It's just like high class. 2010 remember me oh yep 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 i did see this movie yeah isn't the ending like (laughs) the whole movie was this really abysmal kind of like boring thing and then we're going to like shock you with this ending that will make the movie actually like deep uh let's just let's just uh spoiler alert people we're gonna spoil the ending of Remember Me right now. Yeah. He dies in 9-11. I know, it's like That's how the movie ends. They just found out that they're in deep love and he goes to his dad's office, which has yeah. you never really knew where it was. And then all of a sudden they reveal it's in the Twin Towers. 
and <gasps> it's September 11, 2001. And even and even though there's like really a really happy supposed scene going on, they're playing really really sad music, like, so you obviously know that something <laughs> terrible is about to happen. Why would this music be so sad? Um. <laughs> So and you didn't I know saw that movie. it was a period piece. Also, you're like, oh god, this is a period piece. What? I had no idea. I thought this was yeah. set today. <laughs> it's almost like rickrolling the audience, but with 9/11. Do you do you um, feel like the production designers tried to make it kind of period piecey? I felt like they did, and I was like, this is totally unnecessary because I thought what we wore ten years ago was I, really not that different. <laughs> now I thought that they did say at the beginning like such and such 2001 mm-hmm. and they were talking about like I feel like they were talking about <coughs> like current events in the classroom scene at the very beginning mm-hmm. so that was like a hint that like oh it's going to be 9-11 um, but I saw that movie after it was fairly recently after uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine made me watch all the Twilight movies <laughs> um, and I watched them all in one day. Oh my gosh. So I've seen all of them except for the very last one in one day. And so in my mind, Robert amazing. Pattinson, I just really oh, had yeah. a solid, you know. Like, yeah. You you had gotten, like, close to him. It was like your bros. Yeah. 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 And I was like, well, he's not going to die. Ooh, that's probably <laughs> disrespectful, isn't it? Sorry. Oh, no. No, that movie is kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can't... Who am I to judge? I but, just yeah. think it was a cheap trick. It's like, we're going to make this mediocre film, and then it's deep, by the way. We were right. not just... We were just not just messing around for, like, an hour and a half. Like, we really meant something deep by this. <laughs> it was like, oh. It's, it's, oh. That, I mean, that is that is kind of disrespectful that it's 9-11. Right? Yeah. That the big twist the is that it's 9-11. Like, he doesn't just get in a car accident or get mugged and shot or something. Like, they killed him because it was 9-11. I don't know. I feel like 9-11 should be, like, the dream sequence, you know? It should be, oh, my God, really? It was all a dream? Oh, my God, really? It was 9-11? Like, I feel like it's an equivalent. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like... Oh, I see, I see. Like a movie that ends and it was all a dream, yeah. Like everything's like crazy and doesn't make any sense. And then they're like, oh, because it was all a dream. And this is like, well, this movie is kind of boring and blasé. But don't worry, 9-11's happening. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So essentially, you make a movie (laughs) that is fairly unaffective emotionally <laughs> yeah. and then you just remind everybody of one of the worst thing that's <laughs> the things that's happened Ever. in their lifetime so they all leave the theater feeling genuinely sad <laughs> like i feel like and it's like had well, emotions over those characters <laughs> i guess that movie did make me feel something but the same way to where, like, if you brought a puppy into my house and let me play with it for a half an hour and then shot it, yeah, like, that exactly. would probably make me feel something, too. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, well... doesn't mean that it's a good movie. I've played with, like, a billion puppies before, and there was nothing that special about them. But, oh, my God, you just shot the puppy! Ah, I'm going to remember yeah, this puppy this, forever! <laughs> and this puppy was in Twilight, so, you know, if you're a teenage girl. You, like, really or, feel bad about it, yeah. 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 You should you you're pretty good at uh at roasting mediocre movies. You should do a podcast where you oh. just roast bad good movies. Oh, good call. <laughs> yeah, like Yeah. 
like a totally different angle to it. You know, there's like the mystery science theater, but like not actively while watching the movie make fun of it. Just like no, no, just know, afterwards tell how bad it was. It. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. I'll look well, into that. Well, <laughs> pro tip. Um, I guess we we should probably go ahead and try to wrap it up now. Okay, that's um, yeah, probably. Is good. that all right? No, oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, unless you have more, <laughs> unless you have more mediocre romances oh, that you want to roast. You just gotta bring me back to round two, and then I can roast some more stuff. Slash, yeah, yeah. Uh, if like you go through all this and it's like, I really need like some less boring stuff at the beginning, and like I really need like her to actually talk yeah. about this thing, and she went on this weird tangent. Just let me know. I'll, uh, I'll edit this podcast memento or uh, memento style so Ooh. that uh, we work our way back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be that would be trippy. No, if you do want to come, if you do want to come back on the podcast, maybe we could watch uh, the shop around the corner oh, sometime and then discuss yeah. that one. We'd have a yeah. lot of yeah. like uh, you know prerequisite context for said. Yeah, is that one? Is that one uh, black and white? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Okay. Ha uh-huh. ha. All right. Well, uh, I guess then for the moment, uh, do you have anything? This is this is kind of presumptuous of me (laughs) to assume that anyone will listen to this. But in the event that they do, is there anything that you want to share as far as your own personal, you know, media or anything like that you want to plug? Oh, um, (laughs) well, um, I'm posting. (laughs) This is so millennial sounding but i'm posting my art on tumblr tumbles y'all mm-hmm. you can tumble with me at uh everything basically everything that i do is under uh, sahali maria which is my first and middle name unfortunately both mm-hmm. are hard to spell so no one's ever gonna find me but it's sahali s-a-h-a-l-e maria m-a-r-j-a dot tumblr dot com and then also me and a friend have started or trying to start a zine that um, is all like we both are kind of like from an artistic background with she does like illustration and uh, interactive uh, design. <clears throat> and I did the film, of course, and like fine arts. But we like we're really curious about the world and we want to like have an excuse to interview people and research scientific stuff and historical stuff. So we are trying to start a zine called Hypothesis, which is all about our hypotheses about different things or hypothesi about different things. And uh, then go we go want to go on an investigation about that topic and then publish a little zine. Hopefully that like we want to make it legit. So that is yeah. under Hypothesis Zine online and so stay tuned maybe it will go somewhere and be so cool. is that is that something people can actually go and check the progress of now yeah there's um we have a website hypotheszine.com. it's just basically got some like sweet, sweet. imagery from stuff we've done personally already and then um has a little bit about our current topic but we haven't made any official articles or illustrations for this right we just started well this but- uh <clears throat> This podcast probably won't go up for uh, you know a oh. month or so, so maybe by the time this is up, yeah, you know, go check out hypothesis. You said hypotheszine.com? Yeah, yeah, and also um, we Sweet. are gonna we applied to be at the San Francisco Zine Festival, so 
if you happen to be in San Francisco when, for the zine festival. Do you know when that is? <clears throat> it's Labor Day weekend. Woot woot. Okay. So okay. we have to have an to, issue by then, so it should be done. We'll try to make sure we'll try to make sure this podcast is out before then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that not, otherwise it'll be very hilarious and ironic. <laughs> yeah. You should still leave it if in. If not, I hope you all had fun at the at the <laughs> Zine Festival. I'll I'll just say that just in case. So I hope if you're listening to this now that you came wait <laughs> you looked into the future listened to this podcast and knew to come to the labor day 2016 right. san francisco zine fest because yes. we'll be there enjoy it yeah <laughs> enjoy it future people yeah and also um you know if you can get a message back to us let us know oh, who's mm-hmm. who's about to become president because uh, yeah. that could be important information. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, uh, I would right. like to know as well. <laughs> well, uh, uh, as always, uh, everybody can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Emerson with three Zs. <laughs> huh. um, and I guess, Sahali, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. This was fun to talk about and unfold the layers of the apartment. Yeah unfold the layers of the apartment which sounds like is a physical thing anyway yeah yeah. um but uh anyway until i say anyway way too much um but anyway until (laughs) next time uh this has been real classy where wait what is my catchphrase real classy Where we watch old movies because new movies are only new for a short time, but old movies will only get older. (laughs) Good night. That's awesome. Nate. Thanks. See (laughs) y'all.